Welcome to the podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd also like to invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.45, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. Before I read the scripture, I feel like I need to catch you up on a couple of things so you'll understand what's happening here. I am by no means the red-headed raccoon, <laughs> if you remember last week. Uh, Juliet uh, texted me on Tuesday and basically said, um, the doctor has informed me that my hope and you know, my ambition for Sunday will not happen. And so in the spirit of today, in the spirit of Veterans Day, I was drafted. <laughs> so, I, I'm, I'm it, okay? The second thing I want to share with you is this is actually two celebrations in one today. One is our veterans, and the other is the beginning of our stewardship campaign, which begins today. That's why our songs and so forth have been about veterans, and uh, this is a stewardship sermon, but I think if you will listen, of course, you'll see the tie-in for both. Because certainly the veterans and their, their example of sacrifice and that, and that sort of thing is uh, certainly in play here today. And so with that in mind, let's look at Proverbs chapter 4, if you'd like to follow along in your Bible. Proverbs chapter 4, beginning with verse 20. This is Solomon speaking to his son. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you send your Holy Spirit among us now to teach us, guide us, to open your scriptures in ways that teach us how to live and send us out into a world to be better disciples. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And also, as we say for our scripture, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. As I said, this this is a a stewardship sermon, but it is also about our veterans as well, in a sense. So here we go. Uh, our, Our theme for this is the song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, which you sang just a few minutes ago, first verse, because this Sunday we'll be looking at the first verse, next Sunday the second, the third Sunday the third, because it's only a three-verse song. And if you'd like to follow along, turn your hymnals page 400. Now, uh, and the fourth Sunday of this is also the first Sunday of Advent, so we'll keep that a surprise, all right? So you can be thinking ahead on that. Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, the song says. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it. Mount of thy redeeming love. 
I have an old radio at home that I use. It's one of these you hang up in the shower. Anybody got a shower radio? Am I the only one? Uh, I guess so. All right. Anyway, have shower radio. I listen to take basketball games, football games, baseball games, whatever, if I'm taking a shower at that time, if it's not something I can see on TV. But it has one of those old little knobs that you turn to get it tuned in just right. You know what I'm talking about? You know, anybody ever operated those? Yeah, yeah. If you don't get it exactly right, the, the station's not going to come in very well. You're going to hear all kinds of things that are just not going to make sense, static, whatever, and it'll drive you crazy. You have to get it. And I have to turn this thing at just the right angle for it to work. Isn't that us? That we need to be in tune with God. We need to get our heart in tune with God. This is what Solomon is saying to his son. Great advice. Get your heart in tune with God. Because this is just, I'm like that radio. If I get off a little bit, some things are just not as clear. God doesn't come in quite as clear. I'm listening, but God just doesn't quite come in. Because we're not, we're not in tune. We're not in tune. Now, my Bible, I love my Bible because it's a study Bible, and I get all kinds of information from it. And in my Bible, there's a commentary about Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. And it goes like this. First thing it says is, we will always find time to do that which we enjoy. Isn't that true? We can always manage to find time for that which we enjoy. The trick is, is to be something we enjoy that's in tune with God and with our heart. How about that? Solomon says, concentrate on the desires that keep you on the right path. Make sure our affections move us in the right directions. Because what is the heart? It's the seat of emotions, but it's also the seat of love, desire, affection, all kinds of wonderful things. But also the heart can go the wrong direction. I mean, how many of us have ever used the phrase, our heart wasn't in it? The heart. We have to put boundaries on our desires. Now, this is one that's interesting. We have to put boundaries on our desires. Do not go after everything you see. Have we ever been guilty of that? Keep your eyes fixed on the goal. And don't get sidetracked into sinful lifestyle and a sinful tract and sinful behavior. It's wonderful advice. But how do we do that? How do we accomplish that? How do we stay on the straight path? Well, our hymn gives us insight. The first verse says, and it's only a list of three things, tune your heart to these three things. First, sing about the grace of God. Did y'all notice the word grace was in our hymns? Sing about the grace of God. Then it said, sing songs of praise. I told Mickey this is his sermon. This has got a lot of music in it, okay? Sing songs of praise because of his mercies. And then it says, be fixed on the mount. The mount of what? The mount of his redeeming love. Grace, mercy, redeeming love. Isn't that the heart of stewardship? Now, there's two things about stewardship. The use of our resources, our time. It's not just money, but money's certainly part of it. But it's our talents, it's our time. It's all the gifts that God has given to us to use for his purposes and glory. But there's two things about stewardship that are eternal truths. 
that I don't care what church you go to, I don't care what stewardship campaign you go to, if these two things are not in it, they need to be checking themselves. Number one, stewardship is based on gratitude. Mercy, grace, redeeming love calls for a response from us. And it's called gratitude. God, you have done so much for us, I want to give back to you. Not as something I regret doing. I can't wait to get back. I have never understood why stewardship is something people move around and say, oh, we got to go through that again. Why? There ought to be a celebration. This is when I get to talk about it and, and, and write a pledge card and rethink what I'm going to do for God because, man, He loves me and I love Him back. Mercy, grace, redeeming love. So how are we going to use these things? First is gratitude. The second thing, I'm I'm saying the second thing is the heart of stewardship is it doesn't belong to us. And that's hard for us to handle. We we earned it, you know. That's hard for us to handle. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God and he's let us manage it for him. Stewardship means a manager. And so, we're asked to be stewards of what He's allowed us to have. If we think of it as His in the first place, everything gets in tune right away. One of my favorite people that I never met was a man by the name of Reverend Frank Warren, who was the author of the Trinity Bible Studies that was going around the same time the disciples started. A lot of churches did that. And I'll never forget hearing him on the tape one time say, we vote with our bodies. Meaning where we are, where our body is, generally tells people what we really believe in and what we really think. You can talk about going to church all you want, but if you never go, your body has said something different from what you claim. And the fact that you're here says so much. We vote with our bodies. You can talk about participating in an election all you want to, but if you don't go vote, your body has betrayed what you said. Where do we put our bodies? There was two people having a conversation, a gentleman and his pastor. And this man, they got into a stewardship conversation. And this man was talking with his pastor, and he said, Pastor, when I first started out, I mean young, I was making $50 a week. But I managed to find ways to give $5 a week. I did my 10% tithe faithfully. Then as things got better, I made $500 a week. And I always made sure I put at least $50 to my church every week. But now I'm at the height of my profession, at the top. And I make $5,000 a week. And I just can't see myself giving $500 a week to the church. And the pastor said, let us pray. And he said, oh, Lord, would you please let this man's salary go back to be $500 so he can tithe? Why is it that the more we make, the harder it becomes? Maybe we've gotten out of tune with stewardship. I would like to share with you a story. I cannot give you the whole thing, take too long, but I hope I can give you enough to understand what's going on. This comes from a book called uh, Hero of the Empire. It is the story of the making of Winston Churchill. And I actually haven't finished the book. I got a few more pages to go, but a remarkable story in there. Now, you have to understand, Churchill, as a 25-year-old person, if you had been around him, he would probably be insufferable. He was arrogant. He was self-assured. 
He thought he could do anything, and he was ambitious. He had every intention of getting into Parliament, and he knew the way to get into Parliament was through fame. And the way back then to get fame was in wartime. England fought a series of wars in the Sudan and South Africa called the Boer War and other places, and he participated because he was trying to gain fame to go into politics. And he, he made no secret of the fact this was what he was after. So he, uh, he tried to get in as a soldier in the Boer War. Now, I'm not going to bore you with the Boer War because that would take too long, all right? And so uh, that doesn't have anything to do with the story, but it's the Boer War. And so he wanted to go as a soldier, but he was not allowed. Uh, his name had a lot to do with it. And, but so he managed to get a job as a newspaper correspondent to cover the war. And there he was looking for an opportunity to make a name for himself, to be a hero. Well, what he managed to do was get captured. He was on a train that was attacked by the Boers, and before it was all over with, he's in a prison camp in Peoria, South Africa. They took a school and turned it into a prison camp, and there he was miserable. This young, energetic, self-assured, I got to make a name for myself person, was now behind these walls of this former school, now prison. He just couldn't stand it. He wanted out. And he and two other prisoners plotted to escape. Now, it's a long story to that, but the bottom line is they came with their escape, and he, as guards were distracted, climbed over the wall. This is at night, climbed over the wall, and he was, you know, supposedly freedom on the other side. But his two uh, companions, circumstances got in the way, and he could not, they could not escape with him. And there he was on the other side of that wall, alone, in the dark, and he didn't know what to do. But he thought about it, and he realized from previous conversations with his friends that if they ever escaped, the best place to go, what, what was called at that time Portuguese East Africa. We call that Mozambique today. And to get to the capital city, because there was a British consulate there, and they would protect him. But it was 200 miles to the border. And of course, he's walking. He traveled at night because he couldn't risk being seen and tried to rest in the day. The temperatures in the day on the South African veiled, kind of like a prairie to us, is really high. He was miserable. And after a couple of days, he's sitting under a tree. The tree limbs came all the way to the ground, so he's, he's you know, people can't see. And, and he would rest during the day and travel at night. And he has, was at, you might say, was at the end of his rope. He was running out of food. He, food. he had managed to put a little bit in his pockets, and that, that, was, that was gone. Water was something he did not have with him. He had to hope he happened to run up on a stream to get a drink of water. It had been a while since that happened. He could not really feel as if he had much chance. The odds of him escaping folks were slim. And all of this is weighing down upon him, and he admits in his diaries and in books that he wrote later that he was in despair. He was at the, his wit's end. That, that self-assuredness, that I can do anything, that ambition was fading away. And as the author says, he turned to the last source he knew, his God. And Churchill himself said, I prayed long and earnestly. Well, the next night, he continues his journey. Even having trouble putting foot, you know, his feet one in front of the other. 
he sees off in the distance some lights. He's hoping this is a native village because they didn't get along with the Boers and maybe they would help him. But when he got there, it wasn't a village. It was a coal mining town and the workers, most of them, if not all of them, would be Boers. He is now in trouble. And so he, he, you know, he's tired, he's, he doesn't know where else to go. This is generally on the route that he needs to go on to get to Portuguese East Africa. So he said, I took a chance. And he went up to a house and he knocked on the door. The man who answered the door was a man by the name of John Howard. He first asked Churchill, of course, well, you know, who are you? Why are you interrupting me in the middle of the night? And Ch- Churchill lied. He made up a story hoping that we could get help. He was afraid to tell him the truth. But Howard invited him in anyway. He said, come into my house. And then he said, now, tell me who you really are. And so Churchill said, I took a chance and told him the truth. He told everything that had happened from the time he got to South Africa to the time that he escaped and, and now to when he's at his house. And John Howard said to him, thank God that you came to my house because there's not another house for 20 miles that doesn't have a boar living in it. And if they had gotten you, they're going to turn you right back over. Everybody out there is trying to find you. Thank God you came to my house. Now, Churchill, at that point in his life, for that, that, those moments, those hours, got in tune. The knob was dead on. And God had helped him. And he would eventually escape. He actually went back in and fought more in the war when it was over with. And you know the rest is history. Eventually becomes Prime Minister of England during World War II. But he got in tune with his God. Where are we? Solomon's advice is practical. How can we concentrate? I mean, we, we should concentrate on right desires. We should stay on the right path, making our affections be in the right direction, keeping our eyes fixed on God. How do we do that? The hymn tells us to remember God's grace, His mercies, and His redeeming love. That's the heart of stewardship. And that's why we give, so other people can know that. Let me finish with one last story. You probably read this, and wasn't that long ago. A kindergarten teacher asked her class to draw a picture of some celebrity or somebody they knew to draw a picture. And so they start drawing. And as she goes around the room to check on their work, she looks at one girl and says, well, who are you drawing? And she looked up and said, Jesus. And she looked back at her and said, well, honey, nobody knows what he looks like. And she replied, they will when I get through. (laughs) Is that us? Do we reflect Jesus? Can people see him in his When we have left this world and we no longer walk on it, well, they say of us, there goes a person who showed me who Jesus was. Stewardship is about giving out of gratitude, and it's about realizing it doesn't belong to us. It's about getting our heart in tune to God. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.